Welcome to the QI Chatroom. I'm your host, Kelly Bond. This podcast is brought to you by Redwood Community Health Coalition, or RCHC for short. We're a network of community health centers and a wellness education site throughout Marin, Napa, Sonoma, and Yolo counties. We formed in 1994 with a mission of improving access to and the quality of care provided for underserved and uninsured people. This podcast is all about quality improvement, or QI, in healthcare. We'll bring you speakers from our member health centers, outside health centers, county and federal agencies, healthcare plans, and more. Those speakers will discuss promising practices they've identified at health centers, the latest data on specific health topics, and engage in conversation with our live audience. We've been hosting these chat rooms since late 2018 and transitioned to the podcast format in the fall of 2019 to reach a greater range of listeners. We hope you'll join us as we share the latest in quality improvement with you. This episode is the second in our series of COVID-19-focused sessions. The goal of these sessions is to share information with health centers that can help make this challenging time a little bit easier. Today, we have Ellen Barnett, who is a recently retired family doctor. She practiced for 20 years at the Integrative Medical Clinic in Santa Rosa and was on the faculty of the Sutter Family Medicine Residency from 1987 to 2016. She developed the Imagine You Project as part of her work in the nonprofit Integrative Medical Clinic Foundation. Imagine You offers tools for self-care that we can use for our own well-being and as we work with our patients and clients. In response to several recent disasters in Northern California, such as the wildfires and now COVID-19, the Imagine You Project offers trainings to organizations working with the most vulnerable in our communities. The following conversation with Dr. Barnett will introduce listeners to one of the Imagine You Project's tools and demonstrate how the tool can be used for self-care as well as with patients in clinical settings. Thank you very much, Kelly. I'm delighted to be here. Um, I particularly want to thank all of you for your work, um, both on the front lines, and I know many of you support those people on the front lines, and um, there's a lot of talk about that um, support for that work, but it's none of it's too little or too much. Um, thank you very much. And um, I can imagine it's pretty stressful work in many ways. So I hope that some of the discussion we have today will be able to help you in that. Um, I'm going to go through a very brief exercise. It'll take five or so minutes. Uh, and then we'll talk about it. And then we'll talk about um, ideas or questions or um, discussions about how that might help both you, but also in your own work with your patients and in the people that you work with. Um, so this is one of the several tools that the Imagine You Project um, has developed and has been working in the last couple of years, mostly with disaster um, response personnel, case managers, disaster um, counselors, things like that in, in Sonoma, Mendocino, and some, some of the other Northern California counties. And this particular tool is called What Matters to You. So I invite you, we'll walk through the exercise and then we'll talk about it afterwards. So I invite you to do this 
um, with your eyes closed or open, whichever is most comfortable to, for you. And just pause for a second, get kind of grounded, maybe take a nice deep breath, relax a bit. And think for a moment about what matters most to you in your life. What matters most to you? I'll give you a few seconds to think about this. I'd invite everyone listening to try this exercise for yourself right now. What matters most to you? Let's pause for a few moments to think. And as you think about what matters most to you in your life, feel how that feels in your body. Notice the feeling you get in your body when you're really in that space of what matters most to you. And I invite you to make some connection on a very personal level, whatever works for you, some connection to that feeling of what matters most to you and your professional work. What's the link between your professional work and what matters most to you? And notice that link. And notice how you feel when you've made that link between what matters most to you and your professional work. And hold on to that feeling and see if there's a symbol that might come to mind that represents that feeling of you with what matters most to you in your life. Some symbol. It might be a word, it might be a color, it might be a little image in your mind's eye, but some way to um, capture that feeling you get when you're sitting in what matters most to you. And that tool, that image in your mind's eye or that symbol can be a tool for you to use in your daily life. And that's it. That's the what matters tool. So um, I'd like you to Contemplate it for a second here, and we'll open it up for questions in the chat room, um, what your experience of this little exercise was, uh, anybody that might want to share what they came up with in terms of their symbol or image. And we can talk about how we've used this application. Since this was recorded early on a Monday morning, I'll kick off the conversation by sharing my own experience. I'd actually completed this exercise almost two years ago in a conference workshop where Ellen was demonstrating her tool. She had the audience think about what mattered most to them and draw an image that represented that thought on a piece of paper. The image I drew in that workshop is the same image I drew during the live recording with Ellen. My image was a garden bed and a tree shading the surrounding yard. That image has stayed with me since the workshop, 
which on a personal level represented owning a home, providing dependable shelter for my family, and having food security by growing our own food. Since I initially drew that image, I was able to buy a house, which just happened to come with four garden beds and a big tree. I think that's a testament to the power of visualization. I connect this to my work at RCHC and that I want everyone to have a home to provide shelter and safety. Food security and food access are things I'm extremely passionate about. Being able to grow one's own food is a way to ensure some access. I've been able to connect what matters most to me to the work I want to do. Thank you. And could I ask when you made that connection um, of your image of your house and your yard to your work, where did you feel that sort of viscerally in your body? At first, I didn't know how to answer this question, but after giving it a little thought, I think I feel that connection in my chest and heart. Everything I'm passionate about, including healthy eating and access to food, stems from my heart. One of the aspects of this tool that we sometimes do and I didn't do today was to have people check in with themselves right at the beginning of a meeting. I was anticipating that more people would be coming into the meeting, so I didn't do that part today, but to just check in with themselves at the beginning and then compare their visceral feelings after they've done that connection. And oftentimes there's reports of just what you said, some sort of heart center, because we're often working with people that are doing very heart-centered work like you all are doing. Um, and that that connection, that visceral connection is really the core of what we label in our everyday life as motivation or commitment or engagement or whatever word we want to put on it. That if we use these tools on a regular basis, we're increasing our routine connection to our heart center or wherever you happen to notice that um, actual visceral connection. So it's an interesting moment. And, and for those of you that work in this setting, it's very powerful. Um, you can imagine for a client who's gone through a tremendous amount of trauma, it can be a very connecting, but in sometimes um, a fragile moment. And so we don't, um, we don't just recommend doing this blindly without thinking about it because it can be a moment if you're working with someone who's um, had some um, traumatic things, when you go to that place, it's a, it's a moment of um, openness, I would say. So that's part of what we keep in mind when we're using the tools. But we've had very wonderful feedback from clinicians and and second responders of using these tools as a way of connecting very early in their in their experience with their clients. Anybody else interested in or willing to share their experience with this? Hi, my name's Ashley. Um, I just want to say thank you. I think this is a really important topic always, and especially with everything going on right now. Um, but I just wanted to quickly share what I was reflecting on, and I agree with Kelly. It definitely 
warms my soul, like literally, and um, definitely keeps me motivated. But when you ask what's most important to us and what matters, um, I, my attention drifted to a picture of my grandparents on my board. And definitely family is always my answer to that question. And um, I think right now you asked, how does that relate to my work? And I've surprisingly never heard that question before, but it's like so obvious to me is that I'm so committed to serving other people who look like my grandparents or look like my family. Um, and that's just so important to me, especially in a time with COVID where it's disproportionately affecting African-Americans. I think it's um, important to remember those type of connections. Um, and yeah, so thank you. I just wanna say thank you. I have not made that connection before, but I'm happy with what I do and I'm committed. And although I'm not on the front lines, like all the amazing doctors and nurses and medical assistants, I'm in administration, but I can use my work to still fuel that mission. Absolutely. And, and you know, this was three minutes or five minutes of time. And mm -hmm. so that connection was clearly there. It's mm -hmm. just bringing it up and letting it be um, obvious to all of us. And thank you for sharing that. That's a very um, touching story. And it gives us the opportunity to ask that question um, of ourselves, of course, uh, as we make choices during the day, why are we making this particular choice of how to spend our time or what to do or how to interact with someone or what to eat or whatever choice we make, if we make it from that place of what's most important to us, my hypothesis is we'll always make the right choice. It may not be what seems obvious at the, t at the moment, but it's speaking to that same place. So it's, it's a it's a handy tool to use for making choices. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I'll definitely share with my coworkers. Good, thank you. Who else would like to share? Yes, hi. Um, my name is Michelle. I work at Long Valley Health Center in Laytonville, and I. Um, like Ashley, I think my first thoughts were family and friends is definitely what matters most to me. And when you asked about connecting it to work, I think I kind of um, shifted to community because I do feel like um, a lot of my family and friends both work at the health center or patients at the health center. You know, we're a small town. We have a very special, generous community and I have opportunities to work and interact with them both through the health center, the schools. Um, so that was really kind of my shift from family and friends to community. And the, when I did that, I really just had the vision of a heart and, you know, both feeling it in my heart and then just kind of that image of a, just a, a beautiful red heart. So we encourage you to write that down, draw that heart out. So it's a, it's a handy tool to get you back to that same place. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd like to point out something. I'm going to tell a story about um, one of the caseworkers we worked with in Mendocino County and they were working on this tool and, and the, the, the response from the client was family, like, like many people. And so she went a little, 
a little more specific and said, what about family? And that's where you really get to the information that you can use with that client ongoing. Because the client said to her, well, for me, it's family meals. And, and she said, well, let me go back. She said, what's most important to you? And he said, well, I would have said house before because she was working with him on, on um, getting permits to rebuild his house. And he said, but really what's important to me is home, which is different than house, of course. And so she said, well, what about home and family? And he said, family meals. So what they worked on, instead of working the whole time on how he could get a permit to build his house, she worked with him on how to have the concept of a family meal in a shelter, because that's where he was living at the time. And so they talked about sitting around the cot and having a family meal just slightly differently than what they had done before was pass out the protein bars and eat them wherever you were. And so that tiny little shift of, of creating the family meal, which was closer to his concept of home, was the outcome of this question process with that client. And it was such a beautiful example to me of how small a change can be so powerful to meet, to meet us, for us to meet our clients where, where their heart is not just the list of all the things they have to do. So it was a, a lovely sharing of her experience with that one family. The question of asking a little more detailed question about what is it about family that's so important to you? I think for me, it's connecting. I, I love just conversations with people. I really enjoy that. And then creating things with people, working on projects with people. I think that's kind mm -hmm. of my, my focus. Thank yeah. you very much. Any other questions or ideas or concerns or anything that comes to mind about using this kind of thing, both for yourself or with your colleagues or your clients? Because I think we learn a lot from people's nudgy little places that they wonder about. At this point, I asked Ellen if she thought this tool was best fit for a certain staff role within a health center, for example, a care coordinator or a medical assistant. And if she had any suggestions for using this tool during the limited appointment time care teams have with patients. You know, we, we tried to come up with um, kind of best practices or templates or something like that that would be applicable. And what I've found is that that doesn't work. That what works is to honor the individual's experience and just keep talking about it and kind of see where it lands. So in my clinic, for instance, I would I wouldn't use this with every single patient. Um, I would notice when I didn't think I was on the same page with a patient. Somehow, what I'm talking about and where they are wasn't matching up very well, which is not uncommon. And um, so then I'd say, let's just, could we just take a time out? Because I want to know more about you. And it would literally take five minutes. And that five minutes then seemed like, a, you know, seems like a lot to take out of your time with going through all the things you have to go through in a clinical situation. But it was so powerful because I could always come back to that uh, image that they created in their mind's eye, whatever it was. And I had the opportunity to take a picture as on my chart. So I had a picture of their face and the little card they created with their heart or whatever it was. Um, and so it would remind me 
of what it was, but I also could put it in my notes or whatever. And um, so it was a touch point for me that I could go back and say, you remember you talked about, you know, riding on your horse or working in your garden or being with your grandkids or whatever, whatever was important to them. So clinically, um, so I would do that. Then I talk about the stories that I would get from that experience. And my medical assistant, if she had a little extra time as someone might ask, or one of the other practitioners in our clinic would use the tool, but not everybody did because they weren't comfortable with it. So it just spread kind of organically. I think that it's a, it's a better way than saying everybody has to do it in a certain way in a certain clinic is to just talk about it, see what your experience is and then see who's ready to try it out and just use the stories. The stories are what, you know, brings us our heart medicine and uh, helps us keep talking about it. And, and that there are times when, you know, it's very challenging, like any other clinical setting. I had one patient who I, I asked it and she said to me very directly, she said, I'm not worth um, caring what's most important to me. My job is to, is to take care of other people. And I thought, okay, well, that's very important information to know for me to work with her on that that her self-worth was so low she couldn't even contemplate the question. So it opens up many different doors. But I would, in, I would invite you, I guess, to just see what happens if you think about it for yourself or you might ask the question of a family member or a colleague or a patient or a client and just see what your experience is. And maybe we could share some of those next time because like my experience with the client in Mendocino, I learn more from people's experience and their stories. One thing that we might just take it one step further because we have an extra minute is to actually have a three by five card and write it down, draw it out, to have a colored pencil or something because the, the kinesthetic place in your brain is an additional way of, of um, anchoring it into our experience. And so you've thought about it, you've imagined it, and then to actually write it down comes at it from a different place uh, neurologically. And so then, and you also then have a, a concrete tool that you can use, but I'd encourage you to, to play with that and experiment with it, see what your experience with it is, uh, because um, it, we, we included it in the tools of actually creating a card because of the research really from art therapy that that helps people's um, movement toward accomplishing their goals. So I'd encourage you to play with that and see what happens. And, and we get some pushback that people don't feel they're artists and it's not an art project. We've had people, you know, put a dot on the card or a word or a color. We had one young girl that created a rap song about her, what was important to her. So different people, um, experience it different ways. But it's, um, it's just fascinating to me that, that you can come at it from so many different ways and, and you're reinforcing the concepts. I'm gonna ask one other question and maybe somebody uh, would be willing to share. As we went through this whole exercise, did any um, ideas flash through your mind about where you might try it out? Beth, you just unmuted, so <laughs> you have an idea. <laughs> I was just thinking about our quality committees. So each site has a 
quality committee and it might just be an interesting place to yeah just to kind of test with the, with the staff there and there's a whole mix of MAs and um, providers and some administrative people so it, it would be interesting just to kind of float it there I think yeah I think um, our experience is as people get more and more used to thinking through this exercise for themselves or with their family or co then colleagues, then they try it out with clients. Um, occasionally I'll have a clinician who will just go back to, to their clinic setting and try it out with clients. But I think it's um, a little easier. Um, as Ashley said, it's not necessarily a question we ask ourselves too often, especially how it links to our work. Um, to try it in a little safer situation like um, with colleagues that you have some trust with. So I think it'd be an interesting idea, Beth. People have often asked me how this relates to motivational interviewing, because many of you are trained in motivational interviewing. And as I go through the, all the training in motivational interviewing, this idea comes up um, sometimes as you're getting into some of the questions and scale of one to 10 and all like that. Um, I've tried to use it before I start motivational interviewing techniques because it gives me a very specific grounding place for my work. Then instead of starting with what the problem is, like an addiction problem or something, I start with something positive from their uh, own experience. And it, it makes my motivational interviewing um, tools easier for me to use because I'm I know I'm talking to something that's important to that client that patient so that's a common question I get a big thank you to today's presenter participants and our listeners I'm your host Kelly Bond and we'll see you next time in the QI chat room mm -hmm.